Hi, this is Joel Boggess, one half of the Relaunch team, and you are listening to the Bob Nolly of the Labrador Leadership Podcast. Nice. Live from the RVA, this is the Labrador Leadership Podcast with Dr. Bob Nolly. The program that brings you the leadership skills that can make you the most authentic, approachable leader for the sake of your business, your team, and for you. Now, here's Bob. Howdy doody, folks. How is everyone? How is everyone? 34 is the number here, Labrador Leadership, episode number 34. Alex, everybody misses you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I miss them, too. <laughs> That's good. And she means it, honestly. I am. I'm, she means I'm it. She means it. While you were away, <laughs> I sat down in uh, a couple of episodes ago and talked to everybody about the big orange button on the website for joining the conversation because you know this, because I've been talking to you about it, but I've been in the lab. I'm trying to pull together something for all the labsters, all the folks that have been with us from the start, the hundreds of you that have really given us some great feedback and are listening. And I'm going to put some things together, but I need to hear from them as to what they think about lots of things. So soon I'm going to be dropping an email out to everybody that we've heard from and I'm going to give them a chance to sign up for a free, of course, it's free for crying out loud, uh, phone call with me. Not, not a big long one, you know, yeah, 20 minutes. Yeah, come on. And so I can ask you a couple of questions about what you need and what your preferences are, and you can tell me about yourself. So I'm really excited about the opportunity to talk to some of the folks that are being so nice to us. So uh, that'll be good. And we'll stay tuned for more on that. Uh, now, at the opposite side of people that are being nice to us. <laughs> you know, this topic may be the one reason that I started this whole thing up because when you come home at the end of the day to whether to your dog or to your wife and kids or to your fish, the, the last thing you want to do is, is kick the dog or knock the fish off the table. <laughs> <laughs> because because somebody has just aggravated the pants off of you during the day. And, you know, lots of the conversations we've had, of course, rooted in communication that you and I like so much. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, it circles up to this idea of dealing with really difficult people. And uh, there's there's an article we picked up that I'll link to that talks about the people that are really toxic. Robin Medell wrote this, and uh, Robin, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, but it looks like it should be Medell, so I'm thinking it's good, like Milady Medell, Robin, Robin <laughs> Medell. So she has, you know, come up with some models of really toxic people. Now I'm just thinking about that whole concept, you know, really toxic people. Why are we spending time building models to describe them? So we'll recognize them, <laughs> and we'll know how to deal with them. So I'm sure. Here's what I'll promise you this, Alex. I won't let this be like the stress episode. We just bum the heck out of each other over the course of half an hour. We barely <laughs> could get up. So bummed out on the stress episode. Yeah, or you know, at the, at the end of this, if if we're cussing each other and going, just shut up. You know, we've we've gone the wrong way. You know, we weren't even saying we weren't <laughs> telling each other to shut up, but I think both of us just wanted to shut up. I gotta go. Bye. <laughs> I don't want to talk about stress anymore. 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 Oh, I hate this. I hate this. Oh. I'm completely honest with you. I've not listened to that episode because I know 
that we probably sound like such a bummer. <laughs> Guess what? A lot of people have. Oh, well, that's good. That means that we weren't that much of a bummer. Yeah. That afterwards they were like, gosh. I- I'm hoping it's not. I hope it was useful. It wasn't, you know, a misery loves company thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're I'm right. You're feeling me. You're feeling me. Oh. <laughs> So, you know, I don't want to ask you live on the air, you know, think about where you work now and talk about somebody that really aggravates the bejesus out of you. Oh gosh. Yeah. I already, you know, we always joke that I have no idea how to keep things too close to the chest and it's, it's probably just my, um, you know, my age showing there, uh, might be a little naive to think that, that it's okay to be completely transparent. I always use that transparency is incredibly important, uh, in all of my, um, arguments, but yeah, no, so I won't, I won't speak, um, uh, specifically about anything, but you know, sometimes you come across the, the worst personalities at work and you're not, they're not your friends, but you're paid to sit in the cubicle next to them Mm -hmm. or you're paid to be at board meetings with them. And it's not, it's not like you can roll your eyes and kind of go every time they speak, even if you want to. So yeah, you know, today we're going to talk about kind of those different personalities, um, but also kind of how to not combat them, but um, how to work with them in the most productive manner. Yeah, like play defense. You know, yeah, when we know, run into some of these people, I, I like invoke Star Trek and I go, shields. <laughs> you know, I like to think of it as strategic offense. Yeah. Oh, oh, I like that. Can, if you can put yourself in a position to where these people can't actually A, affect you, uh, with their with their toxic behaviors, or B, um, you know, uh, give you a negative uh, working environment, then you've kind of come out on top. You've you've got the hat trick right there if you can just um, kind of not let them affect you personally, not let them affect your work, and then kind of still at the end of the day not go home and throw your fish tank. You know that that's it, you want to be able to go to work happy and leave work happy. And so it's just sort of about, um, you know, balancing their negative attitudes with a creative um, offense to dealing with their negative attitudes. Yeah. So the first one, no, that's just great. The first one she talks about is the constant complainer. Now, let me tell you negativity. I've had more than one adult dose of negativity in my life. (laughs) And, I, and I've gotten to the point where I, I can't take a whole lot of it. And I've become quite the positivist. Oh, listen to this for a second. I'm giving a, a short speech tomorrow to a group here in Richmond. And uh, I'm talking to them about Strengths Finders, which, folks, are you listening in that last episode? I talked about the Strengths Finder book by Tom Rath, which you have a link to in those show notes. And I didn't share with you what what that tool showed me my top strengths were, but one of them is positivity. And if you're a positivist, you have an enthusiasm that's contagious, says the strength finders. And somebody that's positive stands out that you go out of your way to tell coworkers how much you value their contributions and their ideas. You often find yourself bringing people into your circle of acquaintances, friends and family. You make individuals feel worthy of your time and attention, help them fit into the group. And you tackle projects with some gusto. All right. The other side of that, though, is the complainer that just sucks the soul right out of your body. It can really, it can, it can really 
clinically depress you if you're close to them long enough. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And you, you don't even, you really can't let yourself um, become bogged down with it, with it, because think about, you know, say you're, you're, you're Debbie Downer complaining coworker is talking negatively about a task that she has to do or he has to do and you are commiserating and then your you know your supervisor walks by and then you're both negative debbie downers that are bad for morale you know so you can't you have to make sure that you don't give in you know when people are outwardly complaining they're doing it because they want that um you know, they want you to agree with them. They, they want that, uh, the confidence that what they're saying is in fact, you know, real. They want validation from you. Right. They want validation. They want that rapport where you're both kind of having this negative experience and that's why they're externalizing it. You know, if they were that miserable and didn't need to, um, kind of have the approval of others for being so, you know, negative about their situation they wouldn't they wouldn't vocalize it and here's the trap you you can come as a point of light from all your positive positivism and want to be supportive to them particularly in the beginning of the relationship if you're just meeting and you want to just lend them an ear right if you can be that sort of um you know, balance to their negativity. If you can say, Oh, Hey, but you know, it's not really that bad. We have to do X, Y, and Z, but like, it's really no big deal. You know, and you just have to be able to not make light of their negativity because that's going to be kind of obnoxious, uh, for them. You know, they may actually act more harshly, um, afterwards, but if you can just sort of put up that barrier at first, you know, I'm not going to play into your negative behavior. I'm not going to um, kind of a- approve of you outwardly complaining about your job. You know, it's we're clearly both here doing the same thing. And, and you know, maybe you're at different levels. But, you know, for someone to complain about their job or a task at hand, it, it, just, it just shows that maybe they're in the wrong place. But you're not in the wrong place. You just happen to be next to someone that's in the wrong place for themselves. Yeah, and, if, and when you get engaged with them, just just having people see you talking to them yeah. and trying to empathize with them. And when you empathize with them, you become negative to a point as well. And if people observe you, they're going to lump you in the same bucket and go, oh, my gosh, that new girl Alex is now, you know, hooked up with, oh, that's just terrible. Yeah, the, you know, the doomsday cult cubicle. Or the doomsday cult. Shields, shields. You don't want to be that person that you know um, kind of falls in with the wrong, the wrong, uh, the wrong crowd. You don't want to be that person when you're 14. You don't want to be that person when you're 25, 26, getting into your career. And you certainly don't want to be that person when you're, you know, 45, in the height of your career. And you you know, it's just going to bring you down if you uh, show any sympathy or chime in. Um, you know, just, just try to avoid it really, you know, you can sort of combat it, uh, you know, in a, in a positive manner. Yeah. Once you realize you're in trouble there, I think the strategy has to be to still be cordial and this is tough until you have to do it. It's very tough, but don't participate in the negative conversation 
and they'll come back to you and and start with a negative tone. But if you know, I, you know, I can't imagine what to say. You, you say something like, "Wow, that's tough," but don't put any more fuel on the fire. And sooner or later, they'll they'll stop coming to you because they're no longer getting that validation from you. But you still have to be cordial. Yeah, I mean, you have to be you have to be cordial. Period with your your colleagues. You know, you don't you don't want to have an office enemy, um, and you certainly don't want to have an office enemy over you not giving in to their negative behavior. Oh yeah, I mean, episode uh, thirty, we talked about emotional outbursts at work. You know, you don't want to put the match to that fuse. Right. Like, oh right. gosh, that's well, just horrible. On the flip side of making an enemy at work, you don't actually want to become too close with anyone at work either. You know, it's nice to have um, allies at work and it's really nice to to have those friends that you can go out after work and, and uh, get happy hour with and kind of unwind. But once it becomes this like creepy, uh, codependent, teenage, high schooler, um, you know, best friends uh, forever kind of situation, you really have to step back because if people see that, it's almost just as bad as, you know, the two doomsday cultures in the corner. You really don't want to be, you know, the two, um, you know, best friends that are just sort of jabbering all day at work, texting each other photos from across the office, talking about your personal lives. Um, you know, there are there are instances where you can be too close as well. Oh, sure. Yeah. Before we get away from the complainers, you know, there's at some point down the road, we're going to talk about body language, but this really doesn't fall into that. I always, I always take a look at, this is like a trade secret. I, yeah, I'll tell everybody. Okay. Uh, I always look at the corners of their mouths. I think people that have an innate happiness or positivism to them, the corners of their mouths turn up naturally, but people like the constant complainer, they are on the down tick. <laughs> and it's not like they're walking around with a scowl on their face, but they have walked along with, around with a scowl on their face for so long, the corners of their mouth turned down. <laughs> and, uh, geez, geez, you know, I've actually put some stock in that because, geez, when Jackie and I got married, you know, I, I just met her and was just kind of looking at her from afar. And I, I've got to tell you, one of the things I noticed was, oh, the corners of her mouth are turned up. That's kind of good. Okay. Check. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, guys, don't act on that. But I mean, I'm telling you, it's it's worth something. There you go. All right, get rid of the complainer. I'm sinking like a rock here. Uh, <laughs> what's what's somebody else you run into in the workplace? Um. Yeah. Well, like I said, the you know the too close. It, you know that 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 problem of being too close with your coworkers. I mean, it's very real. I mean, I'm I instantly sort of. Um, become probably too close with most of the people that I meet. Um, and that's a, a huge part because I have the biggest mouth. I don't, I can't hold anything to the chest. And I am also, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to get to know basically everyone that I come across because I'm, you know, some freaky communication person that really needs those, those you got the skills. Yeah. And well, you know, it's not even the skills. It's the obsession with communication. <laughs> it's not, it's not that I have these like innate interpersonal skills. It's that I want to know everything about everyone that I come across. And then, you know, it, and then I just store it in my brain. It's not like I'm going to analyze everybody I meet. You know, all of our listeners are probably terrified at this point. But, you know, I do I do always want to know um, things about people's personal lives. And that's 
it's not like I ask them to tell me these things, but it always, uh, it always happens. So, you know, I tend to quickly, you know, become close friends with supervisors, with coworkers, with people in other departments. And it's not because I'm, you know, looking for a new best friend, but I've definitely, you know, I, I enjoy people and I like opening up to people and I like when they open up to me. Yeah. That's the approachability thing. Remember that was almost the name of the show. (laughs) The approachable Bob. (laughs) I see that one going anywhere. We, you know, no, I think being approachable is incredibly important, but you know, when you have those two, when, you know, when you have the personalities that are too chummy, um, you really have to keep your boundaries by, um, you know, limiting your outside of work, uh, discussions and activities. So, you know, going out to happy hour every once in a while is great, you know, but hanging out all day for eight hours with your, or, or 12 hours or however long you work with your, your coworkers, your supervisors, and then going out at night and having dinner and drinks and, and going to, you know, comedy shows and plays and all that stuff. Um, you know, it's not always, it's not something that you can do a hundred percent of the time. You just so there's some situations where that's not acceptable and it's not appropriate. Yeah. Robin, Robin has a, makes a good point here. The time when you're really susceptible is when you're new to the job. Day right. one, you walk in and somebody walks up to you and virtually throws their arms around you. You're going, okay, you know, this is all right. You know, I've got one friend here, somebody to go to the ladies room with. Right. And, and, you know, but it it could be a problem as well. I think you just need to be sensitive for that. Yeah. And I mean, it's not anything that we need to go too far into. I don't think, you know, clearly having friends is, is one thing, but you know, there's always the integration of all of your different social medias and your employers and that kind of thing. And, and, you know, say that you need to, you need to take, um, a personal day and you are going to apply or interview with another job and you, and you lie and you say that you're, you're doing something else. You're going to the doctor, you're out sick, you're going out of town, you know, you're going to get caught because you're too close (laughs) to your supervisor. Your supervisor is going to say, Hey, you know, I saw on Facebook that your friend tagged you here. I thought you were here. I mean, it's just, you have to have your boundaries because you know, it, it, you know, as, as much as I, I think that being open and honest is great. Uh, sometimes your employers don't need to know what you do on the weekends. Absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely yeah. not. And I, when you put it out there, it's forever. Yeah. The social media problem yeah. can really be because here's, here's another sign. It's like the corners turned down this person without boundaries. If you come in on Monday morning and the first thing they have to say to you is to just express that they notice what you posted on Facebook or what you tweeted out or where you were, you know, that, that I got a little bit of alarm going out there. If that's the first thing you're launching at me coming out of the box. Yeah. You know, what else you're bringing to the table? Sheesh. Okay. Yeah. All right. I better get up off the mat. Boy, now. <laughs> all right. I'm up. I'm up. I'm good. <laughs> I don't mean, I'd be good to long. Have you ever, I'm, have you I'm ever actually bullying. observed bullying? Yeah. All the time. I mean, well, I mean, in, in the workplace. Yeah. In like the office I, space. Like I said, all the time. Oh my, I'm sorry. Well, you know, when you have big personalities, um, you're always going to run into it. You know, they, some people think that they can steamroll a situation or steamroll, um, you know, a, a younger employer, a newer, or a, a, a newer employee. Um, 
<laughs> and a lot of times it's just, you, you know, you, you cringe and you sit back and you watch it happen. And then when the situation's over and done with you, you want to put in your two cents and say, Hey, you know, that was, that was a little harsh. You know, you could have dealt with it this way, or you could have said this and not done this. Um, but you know, you don't think that workplace bullying is going to be anything that you really deal with until it's kind of smacking you in the face or you're being bullied by a coworker. So, I mean, there's, there's plenty of people, they say 65% actually dread going to work because of a colleague. 65. That's two out of every three people. Yeah. And that was a 2015 study. That's now. Yeah. And this, so it's not like, it's not like, um, we're all becoming more well-rounded people because it's 2015. I mean, there's still, there's still bullying in the workplace and it's not really, you know, I don't see that ever stopping. Um, but (coughs) you can, you know, recognize the signs of bullying and kind of move from there. Boy, yeah, that also says that, you know, two out of three, 65% have dreaded going to work because of a co- of a colleague, but over half, over half, 55% serve, have been bullied by a coworker. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. So, you know, when we talk about bullying, I immediately bring up the grade school playground scenario mm-hmm. and, and what bullies look like because I was a victim. No, oh my God. But you could just you could just see that one, particularly if you've been a parent. Mm-hmm. But you know, in the workplace, it's it's not that clear. It's somebody that's trying to, I don't know, sabotage your job for whatever unmet needs they have. Remember, that's the universal answer for me. Why do people act that way? Unmet needs. Oh, and uh, you know what? I'm gonna have to put into my vocabulary: unmet needs. needs. Yeah, go look at uh, the Maslow hierarchy of needs. And when people act in an aberrant manner, that's as polite as I can get about it at this point. It's because <laughs> they're working to achieve a higher level need when they have not solidified or you know fulfilled the needs that are at a lower level. Lower level needs are like, do you have the oxygen you need to breathe and the water you need to subsist? Do you have that? Okay. The next level one is you need a place to live. You have that? Okay. You need stuff. You need a job. Do you have that? Okay, you need social social connections. Now, if you don't have a job yet and you jump from having, you know, a safe place to live and all of that and try to jump up to the social level, you're going to have issues. You're going to have needs of self-actualization that are not met and there's a gap there. So when there's a gap in the pyramid, unmet needs, that's the quickest answer I've given to a lot of questions. Why did that person behave that way? Unmet needs. Okay, sorry, I derailed us there. But bullying in the workplace, you've really got to, you've got to stop. You've got to step back. And I mean physically step back and kind of draw a breath and just recognize, you know, you're getting it put to you. Don't pretend it'll go away. It's not going to go away. Just step back and recover. And then at some point, if you have to go to your boss or or somebody else, you know, not, a, not an official mediator, but somebody to help you, do it not so much on an emotional basis, but that there will be emotional basis there. But from the perspective of a business case, you know, when he does this to me, this cost me three hours at this point. And if my time all in is $100 an hour, 
you know, it, it cost us $300 to put up with this KRAP. Right. So all of a sudden that starts to get intention. Yeah. Especially if it's bullying and it's, you know, it's one thing if it's a snide comment, um, or, you know, a hostile, uh, a hostile employee. Um, but you know, when it really becomes abusive and you're losing your, your time and, and energy at work to it, that's when, you know, you kind of, you don't want to tattletale you, but you have to, there's no way around going to your supervisor and saying, you know, this person is, um, making it very hard to do my work. Now, Bob, let me ask you this. What happens when your supervisor is the bully? Uh, I would go to the skip level and that's, you know, his supervisor. And when you do that, you have to, have, you have to have addressed it. You've have to have said, you're killing me here. Stop this. And if they don't, then you've got every right to just step right over them and have that conversation. And, you know, that's what human resources or human capital management is there for as well. Right. And people go say, oh, I don't want to do this. I can handle it myself. Well, you know, if you're dre- if you're in that 65% that's dreading to come to work, that's a mess. And we've said this, we've said this all along, you know, 34 episodes, you know, this may be the 10th time. When you're having trouble putting your feet on the floor in the morning, you have to take action. You have to make a change. Right. That's hard. You know, when it is your supervisor, that's hard. Absolutely. And I don't think that it's, um, you know, anything that's easy to say to your supervisor initially, you know, you have to have a lot of tact and you've got to kind of sit around and, and really plan on what you're going to say and how you're going to say it. Because, you know, say they say something rude or do something that's kind of emotionally abusive and you just pop off right there and say, you know, this isn't okay. It's, it's, that's so counterproductive. Uh, I can't cite the study because it just came up and uh, I can't come up with it as I sit here. Uh, 65, there's that number again, two out of three, almost 65% of people that quit their job are not quitting their job. They're quitting their boss. They're quitting their boss. So people, you know, I think more often than not like their job, but would like the opportunity to contribute and be successful, but they quit their boss. Listen to that, folks. That's, that's, there it is. There's the reason why we're here. If you think, if you think you have trouble with folks on your team, maybe you're the problem. And if, <laughs> and if you, and if you think that, you know, I, I really, my boss is just making me miserable, then you, you've got an issue you need to address. It is so tough. It is so tough. Don't be with 65% of the people that quit their boss and you 65% bosses out there. Come on, step up to the table, step up to the table. Wow. Did we get something done today? We got something done. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You feel good about it? Yeah. How about you? Yeah. I feel pretty good about it. Yeah. You know, we're going through some notes of things we wanted to uh, talk about today. And uh, and I don't know where I just said, Hey, let's talk about this. Wham. Just like that. You know, oh. I don't. It, it's almost like um, therapy at this point. You know, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Thanks. Another secret gets lifted here. You know, people can pay ninety dollars an hour, or they can listen to us while they're on the treadmill. Yeah, exactly. Yep. 
We're and, cheaper. Yep. Okay, <laughs> folks. Remember, click on the orange button to join the conversation. I'm in the lab and I'm working hard. I want to talk to you. I want to hear what you need. And the reason I want to talk to you is because whatever I end up building or creating here, and because you worked on it and you helped me, you, I'm going to, you know, it's not going to be quite as much for you to get involved and be a part of it. So, so there we go. It's a good one, Alex. Thanks. You know, for every 20 minutes that you talk to somebody on the phone, I'm going to call them and tell them five minutes worth of jokes. <laughs> That's good. Stop. That's good. Everybody's going to like retract their email address. Like, no, really. Start dialing now. We'll get them on the air. No. <laughs> okay, everybody take care of yourself. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Labrador Leadership Podcast. For the sake of all the special people in your life that deserve you to be the best leader you can be. Connect with us on our website at labradorleadership.com, on Facebook at Labrador Leadership, and on Twitter at Lab Leadership. Now, here's a final thought from Bob. Okay, folks, show notes are at labradorleadership.com slash 34. Take care of yourself out there. Look out for the bullies. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.